I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen of your constitutional rights, to provide educational and occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. We continue our social justice and criminal justice series featuring my CRJ 101 criminal justice students, giving emerging adults a voice. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to some and present to others two more of my wonderful young people, the diplomatic and strategic Mr. Sean Dennis and Ms. Natalia Medrano. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. All right. Glad to have you guys on the show today. The good part about having the course or having the podcast as a part of your grade and as a part of the course is that I get to check in with you guys to see how you're doing. So beginning with you, Sean, how's things going? It's been going great. I've been enjoying the class very much. All right. What about you, Natalia? I like it a lot. It's like similar, but more in depth than my BACC class last year for criminal justice. So I like it a lot. Awesome. All right. So Beginning with you, Sean, are you having any problems navigating the course? Not at all. Okay. Natalia? I'm not either. So this is the end of the ninth week, and you have had seven homework assignments and two tests, and you guys are doing an awesome job. Segment one. Segment one is for the educational occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplished this by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, your planned major, why you enrolled in the course, and give us one career goal, beginning with you, Sean. So I was born and raised in Bloomington, Illinois, and I graduated from Norwood Community High School in 2019. The major I enrolled in is just a associates in arts with a focus in business. The reason I took the class was I needed a few more credits. This is my last semester, and I'll be graduating in May. All right. Have you decided on a major yet? After I take the Associates in Arts, uh, then I'm going to go and look for a career. I haven't decided if I'm going to continue on at another university or not. All right. I was born and raised here in Bloomington, and I went to Bloomington High School, and I graduated in 2021. And I enrolled in this class because my major or focus is criminal justice. And then when I transfer to a university, then I want to major in forensic investigation and a career goal is criminal profiler, like analyst would be really fun. Okay. John, did we get a career goal from you? <laughs> My career goal is just to have a career. 
<laughs> okay, all right. That sounds good to me. You sound like me, Sean. I graduated and I was like, just give me a J-O-B. Yeah. Let, let a brother make a little money. <laughs> all right, very good. Do you guys have any advice for those young people who are seniors in high school and they are about to make the transition from and or have a desire to attend college and will be making the same transition that you guys made from high school to college. Is there one thing that you would advise them? Getting with you, Natalia. I would probably say don't worry too much about having a focused major at first because it'll like come along. Okay. Sean? Uh, my advice would be just to show up to class, whether it's in person or online. If you show up, you probably won't fail. All right. Very good. Yeah, that is a, that is something that is mandatory. It's mandated that you actually show up for a course. True story. I actually had a student in my class for like two weeks that didn't know that they were in the wrong class. So it is important that you actually look at your schedule and you be able to know that you are in the right class. All right. Very good. Segment two. Constitutional rights. The theme of our course textbook is individual rights versus public safety. We sometimes are required to give up our individual rights for the safety of the American people, i.e. 9-11 and the insurrection, where the courts are ordering insurrectionists to turn over their emails and phone records. We all have individual rights that the system must respect. That said, what is your favorite constitutional right? Beginning with you, Sean. My favorite constitutional Amendment is the Fifth Amendment. Okay. Any particular reason why you like the Fifth Amendment? So I believe that the uh, right against or due to not self-incriminate is important. If we have a justice system that is innocent until proven guilty, it's not your job to tell them. It's their job to prove you committed or did an act. Very good. Yes. Self-incrimination. You are protected against that. You do not have to tell the police officer or anyone anything. Everyone should always remember that you have that right to remain silent because anything you say can and will be held against you. All right, Natalia? Um, my favorite is probably the Fourth Amendment with the search and seizures. Oh, okay. Any particular reason why the Fourth Amendment is your favorite amendment? Um, well, we talk about it in my political science class a lot. And like we were talking about some cases where it was used and it's just, I feel like pretty relevant. Well, like they're all relevant. Yes. Fourth Amendment protects you against illegal searches and seizures, right? I'm sure yeah. you guys have talked about that. As a matter of fact, who is your political science teacher? Paul Folger. That's my main man, Paul <laughs> Folger. That brother is smooth, ain't he? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have to tell Paul that you actually mentioned him on the podcast today. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to segment three, this week, your assignment is focused on the sentencing phase of the criminal justice system. You've learned about general deterrence, specific deterrence, restorative justice, determinate sentencing, indeterminate sentencing, and more. In this modern age, there have been 17 people who were on death row who have been exonerated. Of the 17 that were on death row who have been exonerated, five of them were from Illinois, which is the reason the state of Illinois has abolished the death penalty. 
My question to you is, should the remaining 38 states who have the death penalty abolish it? And I just want to hear what your opinion is, beginning with you, Natalia. I think they should because the death penalty doesn't really sit right with me. Just doesn't feel right. Like, yeah, these people did bad things, but then like death. I don't know. Okay. Do you feel as though individuals who have done something as bad as kill somebody can be redeemed? Do you believe an individual who has murdered somebody has some redemptive qualities about themselves. In other words, can an individual be given life in prison and still have a positive impact on others? I think some could, but serial killers in particular, they don't really typically feel remorse. And I feel like the death penalty is almost like them not having to pay for what they did. Okay. Because it's just- they're not existing anymore. Instead, they could be like in prison, like suffering, but not suffering. John? Um, I think we should keep the death penalty for special circumstances. Like in the event of mass terrorist attacks, serial killers, it's got to be like a higher level, in my opinion. It can't just be, you know, you murder one person and you could face the death penalty. Okay. And so you would argue that Illinois should not have abolished it. I would argue they should not have abolished it completely. Okay. All right. Very good. Are you guys familiar with my favorite attorney, lawyer, and judge, who I believe was the best in the business? His name is Thurgood Marshall. You guys familiar with him? I have heard of him. Heard of him? I've heard of him, too. Okay. All right. Well, he was the lead attorney in Brown versus Board of Education. And what I often tell my students is, is that if it were not for him, I definitely would not be teaching you guys. All right. Because he actually was the one who won the Supreme Court case that dismantled segregation. And so it allowed African-Americans and whites and all races to actually attend schools together. And so there was a time in our history whereby I certainly couldn't attend school with you, Sean, Natalia. (laughs) And so for sure, I couldn't be teaching you criminal justice. But just for our audience's understanding, Thurgood Marshall, as as I stated, the best attorney, lawyer and judge to walk the face of this earth, did not believe in the death penalty. In Gregg versus Georgia, he argued it was a violation of the Eighth and Fourteenth Amendments. Any idea what his argument was, why he actually disagreed? So I believe the Eighth Amendment is against cruel, unusual punishment. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. sir. Very good, Sean. So, uh, Natalia, do you think that it falls in that category? Because Thurgood Marshall, he actually was the first African-American to be appointed to the Supreme Court and never believed in the death penalty and argued uh, that it was cruel, and unusual punishment. Do you think that that is the case? To kill somebody is cruel, unusual punishment, even though they killed someone? Yeah, I would say so. All right. Sticking with the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. one of the, get your thoughts on this. Uh, Brown Jackson is going to be going through some hearing to be actually voted on for the first African-American woman to serve on the Supreme Court. What's your thoughts on that, Sean? You know... What are my thoughts on that? From what I've heard, 
you know, I've not heard a lot. Um, in my opinion, I don't think we should vote for judges. I think whoever's the most qualified should be put in a blind system. I don't understand why we, you know, nominate certain people and not other people. You know, to me, that seems like it's designed to make it partisan, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Very good. Natalia? Um, I kind of agree with him, but I like that um, if she gets appointed, then it'll be like good representation of women and African-American women and just like just a step forward in society. Okay. All right. Very good. Because historically speaking, we know that people actually can aspire to be what they see, you know, and and that would be my only argument is that an African-American female could now see and or will have her as an example in terms of aspiring to actually become a judge. I'm glad you asked me, Mr. Bingham, who is your favorite Supreme Court justice right now? Well, my favorite Supreme Court justice right now is a woman by the name of Sonia Sotomayor. Love her. And the reason why I love her is because she's a straight shooter. She's a straight shooter and she tells it like it is. All right. I'm going to get off my soapbox because it's not about me today. All right. Segment three. Being a voice for change as emerging adults being educated in a predominantly white America. What say you about white supremacy and black lives matter? Beginning with you, Natalia. Oh, geez. Um, I, so going off like the pre podcast survey, I put that I do believe black lives matter in that white supremacy does exist to an extent, I think, because there's a lot more movements and like more people that aren't white in the higher levels of things. Okay. So when you actually say that you believe that white supremacy exists, you're not talking about all white people, right? Because certainly if all white people were white supremacists, then that certainly wouldn't have been no Barack Obama. Am I right about it? Does that make sense? Because there's only 13 million African-American people. So in order for Barack Obama to become president, some white people, some Asian people, some Hispanic people, and black people had to vote for him. Would you agree? Yeah. All right. Very good. All right, Sean, what's your take on it? Uh, Yes, white supremacy exists, and yes, black lives do matter. Oh, you just go straight there. I love it, Sean. I love it, brother. So let me ask you this, Sean. Do you think that that might have been the driving force behind the insurrection of the Capitol? Yeah. Do you think that some people may have thought that they had, you know, the right to do something like that? Like, do something like that? No, I I don't believe that was the driving force. I think it was a lot of people that believed a false story, and they really wanted to believe it. Yeah, because the president was selling them, wasn't he? He he, He was trying. Man, there was even some people from Bloomington Normal that was on the bus. Oh, really? That went, yes. Oh, wow. You didn't hear about that? No, I did not. Yes, yes. All right. Very good, you guys. I ask all my guests, what would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? Beginning with you, Sean. 
I would like to see them allow the oil drilling on public land and to reopen the KXL pipeline. Excellent. All right. Very good. What about you, Natalia? Um, I would like the, to see them accomplish the affordable affordable health care plan that they have talked about, but not really executed. So I'd like to see them do that. Okay. So do you believe that it should be a right that everybody have affordable health care, that it not yeah. cost an arm and a leg in order to? Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. A couple more things. What do you guys think about voting rights? Do you think that there is a correlation between casting your vote and the criminal justice system being a better system, beginning with you, Natalia? And I want to I want to encourage you guys to get out and vote. I can't tell you who to vote for. And matter of fact, I don't know who's running anyway. But a lot of people have bled and died in order for you guys to have the right to vote. And so my question is, is that when we cast our vote for a certain individual, would you agree, Natalia, that we are casting our vote for someone who is putting forth a better community, a better society? Yeah, I think that by voting for like one person against like versus the other, you're saying like, oh, I think this matters and like this could help change society for the better rather than like maybe the other candidate doesn't offer those mm, promises or like goals. All right. Very good. Sean, what about you? Do you think that there is a correlation between casting your vote and the criminal justice system? In other words, by voting, is it a possibility that you can make the criminal justice system better? I definitely think so. Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. And finally, I want to get you guys opinions on free community college. Do you think that community college should be free, Sean? No, I do not. Okay. All right. Very good. What about you, Natalia? Um, I would say I think it should be free. And I, I know it's already like a lot cheaper than a normal university, but if it's not free, then like affordable for everyone. All right. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Harlan Community College students at the front end of their college careers, important constitutional rights, and emerging adult voices on how to make America great. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed. speak.